sitting there doing midterms and the test that day was uh, the scientific name of small mammals. I was sitting there, I was like, I could be learning how to name an Anishinaabe baby right now with an elder who's about 70 years old, who learned from elders that were about 70 years old. I could have got 140 years of knowledge today. I was just like, I'm, I'm just going to follow the language, follow the culture, and wherever that leads me. Hello, welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Leah Lem. And I'm your other host, Cole Primo. Miigwech for joining us. Native Lights is, at its core, a place for Native folks to tell their stories. Every week we have wonderful conversations with great guests from a whole lot of different backgrounds, and we're hearing about their gifts and how they're sharing them with their community, that and much more. It's definitely our privilege to help amplify fellow Native voices, and we're continuing that mission today. Well, I'm really excited about our guest today, fellow Malax band of Ojibwe citizen member Bradley Harrington. All right. He is an entrepreneur, owner of Wayne Bamadizing Media, and he's currently the tribal liaison for the state of Minnesota's Department of Natural Resources. Great person to talk to. I've got to interview him in the past for various things, which have always been super enlightening. So here is Bradley Harrington. Boujou, Bradley. Boujou. Honey. Holy, there you are. <laughs> Yo, I'm here. I made it. <laughs> All right. Nice to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. It's been far mm. too long. Yeah, for sure. Great. Well, thanks for taking time to chat. Could you please introduce yourself and, you know, where you're joining us from? Maybe a quick background. All right. Well, honey, Nezhikei Wasang and Dijnikaz, Megizi and Dudame. Mrs. Agaigan and Dunjba, Nayashing and Da. So my my name is the star that shines alone. I'm of the Eagle Clan, and I'm from the Malax Reservation. And I live in the Nayashing village on the west side of Lake Malax. Uh, born and raised in the area. Uh, went to all the schools around Malax Lake, and uh, eventually, like uh, plenty of my fellow peers, ended up in a, a cycle of uh, violence, chemical dependency, and incarceration. Straightened that out by after almost 20 years. Straightened that out uh, back in uh, my second prison sentence from 2009 through 2012, where I got the deep inkling, deep uh, motivation, I don't even know how to describe it, but just uh, something told me that I had to do something different. And I started seeking out uh, history, Ojibwe Anishinaabe history, the language itself, and uh, any teachings and ceremonies that went along with it. And got out in 2012, August of 2012, back uh, on the reservation here. Not by choice. I actually wanted to go elsewhere, but Money Do had other plans. So I came home, sought out different activities, different spaces in my own community, and learned from a lot of uh, different uh, different people that had 
different skill sets and different knowledges within the community. And uh, glad to say it's coming up on 10 years now this August where I've been out and free and uh, definitely looking back on this last decade as, as something um, I don't have to feel any shame over anymore. Gotcha. Um, thank you for that. Uh, we're going to definitely get into more of, uh, of all those points you're bringing up. Uh, but before we get into that, we always like to ask, you know, how are you doing right now and how's your family doing during the pandemic? How am I doing? I just got over COVID. I had COVID oh. for the last uh, week and a half. Hey. Uh, I was cleared out of quarantine yesterday. Um, my kids and everybody else at home got over it rather quickly and mine just lingered for a while. And um, it, worries, it worries me still, you know. I've done uh, in the community, I work with funerals and I work with uh, plenty of funerals where it wasn't COVID that took the person out. It was the aftermath, the after effects. And so still watching uh, my coughing odd. Um, uh, uh, am I sneezing weird? Is there I uh, don't know. But other than that, um, things are going good. Um, I've been making it a point every year to try to do better than the last and Glad to say that um, it has been the tra- trajectory has been going that way for me in my life so far. For sure, it's amazing to see. You know, you just mentioned ten years since getting out of your uh, out of prison the last time, and if that hasn't been just an incredible like rise in just seeing what you do in the community, seeing what you do professionally entrepreneurially, everything is just really cool to see. And <laughs> I know you you post a lot on Facebook and are very open about it. So I really appreciate that. I saw your Facebook cover photo read that sobri- sobriety is an act of Indigenous resistance. And I just want to give you some time to maybe talk about that a little bit. Even before colonization Indigenous people would take part in and maybe a ritual or they found a certain um, plant out there in the wild that had some uh, money-do-like effects, right? But honoring um, creator, honoring our money-do back then, plus you don't come across it in storytelling too much, or, or nor the ones that I've heard anyway, of that type because they would have talked about Wayne Abuju being the first person to abuse pre-colonial times of plants or whatever the case, right? But as soon as colonization starts happening, those that are were seeking out our resources, seeking out our land, uh, they seen that that medium of uh, taking us out of our element by using, uh, you know, whatever they brought over, and it was commonly alcohol, mm-hmm. to um, displace our minds away from our lifestyle. And then so sobering up, sobriety being uh, a form of indigenous resistance is like saying, you know what, after all these centuries, we're, we're still going to reemerge 
And we're going to do it with our values intact, regardless of what America has to say or society has to say. But we're going to take our stand here. And sobriety is going to be more than just abstaining from drugs and alcohol. It's actually going to bring back a much more fulfilling traditional lifestyle. Yeah, when I think of sobriety, I think of all sorts of different things that we can be have an unhealthy relationship with or addiction to. But if you would, if you would, Brad, can you talk a bit about your trajectory? Because you are currently the tribal liaison for the state of Minnesota's Department of Natural Resources. Um, can you just talk a bit about your trajectory and how you how you got to where you are? Okay, so back in 2009, I was, uh, April of 2009, I was convicted of uh, DUI test refusal, driving under the influence test refusal. And I was sentenced to five years in prison. And so April 7th, about 5.30 p.m., I was taken into custody. Back then, I had no intention of changing my lifestyle. I I was in complete acceptance that that's what my life was going to be. In and out of prison, uh, chemicals, I, I was completely bought into the idea. I had to sit in county jail for a few months awaiting my sentence to be officially given to me. While I was in there, you know, we, can, we don't go outside. We don't get smokes or cigarettes. We don't get nothing in there, really. But one day, my hands smelled like tobacco. Uh, you know, I go and smell my hands and they'd smell like tobacco and I just paid it no mind. I was like, maybe I just want a cigarette or something, right? Then it happened again. Then it happened again. And um, I called home and I asked my boy's mother, I was like, can you call uh, Melvin Eagle over at the ALU, traditional healer? And say, I'm in jail. My hands smell like tobacco. I was like, well... You know, does does it mean anything? Is there something I'm supposed to do or whatever, right? A few weeks later, she gets a message back to me saying, oh, yeah, he said to seek out Madewin when you get out. And I was like, oh, I'll seek out Madewin when I get out. That's in like three and a half years. I'll be like, oh, that doesn't help me much right now, right? So a little selfish look at it. So I continued on with my sentence. No intention of changing my life whatsoever. And um, I was told I was going to do treatment my final year. So I was just going to do time for about uh, two, two years, two and a half years about, and, you know, get out, probably do the same thing. But um, I was in Lionel Lakes Correctional Facility by this time. And it was about January of 2009. I get a notice saying that uh, I'm going to treatment next week. I was like, oh, oh, that's quick. You know, that's going to open up a lot of things for me, right? I get to have a chance to go uh, uh, be on a work crew outside. I could go to minimum where I could order pizza once a week. You know, mm-hmm. just just going to have a gravy old two years after I finish treatment, you know? And I knew how to handle treatment. I've been to treatment plenty of times. I know how to do their little song and dance. I knew how to answer all their questions and make it seem like I'm having a a, a turnaround. 
Um, so I started treatment beginning of January 2010 and, you know, did my little dance for about three months. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today, we're speaking with Bradley Harrington from the Mille Lacs Band of Ojibwe. He's an entrepreneur, owner of the Wayne Jibamatising Media, and he's currently the tribal liaison for the state of Minnesota's Department of Natural Resources. So, Brad, was there anything in particular that you experienced during prison or treatment that helped change your perspective and open your eyes? Uh, I was um, boxing myself in the corners with lies and I wasn't taking my treatment seriously and I was on the verge of getting kicked out. And April comes along, it's victim impact week. I was like, all right, I have to write a paper that's going to change it around here, get the wool back over my therapist's eyes. And it was about three days, I think, we went and sat and listened to speakers. And I remember they wheeled this guy up on the stage who got hit by a drunk driver. And I was like, you know what? Perfect. You know, I'm in here for DUI. I could write a little story about how I could have hurt somebody, right? And swing my treatment back into my favor. The person that pushed him on stage was the person that hit him. And through both of their recovery, through his physical recovery, he's stuck in a wheelchair now traumatic brain injury and this guy there was chemical dependency um, they became friends and now they go talk to people about drinking and driving in my mind I was like if somebody hit me with a goddamn car I sure is, I'm not going to be friends with them They, uh, him and I are going to be fighting every time we see each other right but then for whatever reason, I thought of it in a different level where I was the person in the wheelchair. Society was putting me there. But in that moment, I realized that I was also the guy that put me in the wheelchair. At that mm-hmm. same moment, I had that realization that uh, I was basically doing it to myself. Turned my treatment around uh, in a real way, right? Told my therapist, I don't want to I, I know all your uh, all this treatment stuff here. I want to learn more about my Anishinaabe people. So they allowed uh, part of my programming to incorporate uh, traditional knowledge and history and language. I still didn't graduate till like a year. So I spent a year <laughs> in <laughs> treatment in prison. Eventually made it out to minimum. Then the test came, right? I was out of treatment. I'm back in the rest of the population. Made it. You know, I had no write-ups. Got out 2012. I didn't want to go home. I wanted to go anywhere but home. I knew home was going to be bad for me. But all my plans kept on falling through. August comes around. I was like, you know what? I'll go home then. I went home with the only motivation to do different in my community amongst everybody I grew up with amongst my whole family amongst everybody I've ever known my whole life I was going to be different right I, I did it as soon as I got out my old friends came with I'll be a, came to me tried to get me I was like nope I don't want to go 
Uh, matter of fact, you can't even come in my house. I started hanging around with elders like Larry Wade, Larry Smallwood, Doug Sam, and I got a job and just worked for a while. And uh, about a year and a half, about 2013, 2014 or so, I had an inner desire to make up a, a pipe. So I, I made a pipe, um, got a piece of pipe stone from my uncle, piece of sumac from the powwow grounds. And I didn't know what to do with it. So I called Melvin Eagle again. And he was like, well, why'd you make a pipe? I was like, I don't know. I dreamt about it. I was like, well, okay, well, come over. I'll talk to you about it. He ended up talking to me for like four hours, mm-hmm. telling me about uh, the Pwagan, what it meant. Told me that it wasn't my Opuagan as I own it, but it's the Anishinaabe people's pipe, and I was just picked to carry it, right? And at the end of it, he's like, there, now, now Anishinaabe can bring you tobacco and you can help them. I was sitting there, I was like, who, who in their right mind would bring me tobacco, right? I'm ex-convict, just got out of prison, barely have my life together. And uh, continue on. I tried college, went to college, seen that wasn't right for me. Um, I was going to college natural resources, learning Ojibwe language, culture on the side. And one day, Lee Staples called me and said, hey, come help me do a naming. I was like, "Um, I can't. I got midterms. I can't miss midterms. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I went to went to class guilty as heck <laughs> sitting there doing midterms and mm. uh coincidentally uh, I was in mammalogy study of mammals the test that day was uh, the scientific name of small mammals I was sitting there I was like I could be learning how to name an Anishinaabe baby right now mm. with an elder who's about 70 years old who learned from elders that were about 70 years old I could have got 140 years of knowledge today I decided to stop going to college after the semester of course I finished the semester and I was just like I'm I'm just gonna follow the language follow the culture and wherever that leads me You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today, we're speaking with Bradley Harrington from the Blacks Band of Ojibwe. He's an entrepreneur, owner of Wainjibamadizing Media, and he's currently the tribal liaison for the state of Minnesota's Department of Natural Resources. So, Bradley, you mentioned while in prison, you smelled tobacco in your hands and were advised to seek out Medewin after your sentence was over. So did you do that? So I went and sought out the Medewin, talked to Doug Sam. He's like, oh, we got Medewin here in June. So come back in June. Went back in June, showed up out there and said, "Um, uh, about five years ago, an elder told me to come here. I don't know what, what I'm doing here. All right, well, you could help out. So... I split wood, carried water, uh, raked, you know, whatever. Then I initiated, and then I went through the full ceremony the following summer. And I've been going back ever since. My life's been getting better. But a few years back, there's this one day where we start at like 2 in the morning, and then we go until like 8, 10 p.m., whenever. 
well, the sun is setting about. And I was tired, you know. Um, we finished at about 8 the night before, came back to 2 in the morning, did whole round of ceremonies again, and I put my hand in, on my face and my hands. When I did that, my hands smelled like tobacco. And it's from um, when uh, we go around, pass out tobacco in here, I go around and gather it in, uh, mm-hmm. in everybody's hands, right? And then go put it in a fire. And then made me, made me think about, you know what? This is uh, about 10 years ago. They told me that uh, to seek out the Medewin and because of my hands smell like tobacco. Yeah. So I always make it a point to go back. You know, it um, lifts me up, fulfills me, keeps me going to the next level. Wow. That's really amazing to hear. Miigwech for sharing that. And at this time, were you involved with the tribe's Department of Natural Resources? All the way out through this time, I'm trying to work with the Mille Lacs government. Um, you know, our DNR is uh, more focused on American perspective than Anishinaabe perspective. Mm-hmm. And I pitched an idea called Anishinaabe Natural Resources. I think it was like 2017, 2017 or so. And um, Anishinaabe Natural Resources, three criteria. One, given by the money, Doug. Two, enhances or sustains life. And three, is supported by and supports a spiritual belief system. It it works if you believe it. Because that's your energy going out and you get what you come back. So they said, well, turn our DNR into that. And then I was um, asked to be Commissioner of Natural Resources for the Mille Lacs Band. Um, around that time, uh, Larry Smallwood passed away. Uh, he wanted me to go fasting, and I always procrastinated. He was going to put me out to fast at Rutledge. He passes away. I was like, you know what? Um, I can't procrastinate anymore. So two weeks after Larry Smallwood passes away, I drive over to LCO where um, Obazan was at the time. And I was like, you know what? I got I to gotta go fast. So they put me out in the woods for four days out at LCO. And I was just wanted guidance in my life. What am I supposed to do with all this? You know, I was still lost and went fasted. Got put on a track, served as commissioner, natural resources. I ended up picking up certificates and going to learning different things like Blandon Reservation Community Leadership. I became a Native Nation rebuilder from the Bush or the Native Governance Center, uh, which I didn't finish. I highly regret that. If you ever sign up and get accepted, see it through. You'll kick yourself in the butt. Uh, as soon as you stop going. Uh, I got a certificate of tribal administration and governance out of UND. I've been taking courses out of the Native Nations Institute, University of Arizona and Tucson. And just speaking out what I think, what I understand of our culture, our language, and how things should be. Uh, and then I was um, approached to be serve the state of Minnesota as a tribal liaison to help the relationship between the Minnesota DNR 
and uh, the tribes of whose land makes up the state of Minnesota uh, live better, live, live together. Because I remember I grew up, I went to school here in the 90s uh, during the, the federal court case, state of Minnesota versus, uh, Mille Lacs Band versus state of Minnesota. And we were having some pretty tough times over things that I've never done before. They were talking to me about netting and spearing. I was, what, like nine, ten years old, and I've never done it. And I had to defend it. I didn't net or spear a fish until I was 19 years old in 2000. And maybe even 2001. But, yeah, I don't. My kids go to school there now. And I want them to have a different experience than, than I did. I want, you know, everybody to have a different experience. I don't want the fighting to be over that. And so a job that I really loved, uh, you know, some uh, a person like me should never, uh, in a former time, never been able to achieve such a position. But yet, for whatever reason, I was chosen to. And then now... Uh, looking back, the the progression, it's just honoring the money dude, trying to recognize gifts, things that are put in front of you, stuff that I would normally talk myself out of. I'm not good enough to do that. There's somebody better out there than that. You're just showing me something that I can't even believe I can do. And for a long time, that's what I really believed in myself that uh, I was incapable. Uh, I was uh, uh, had way too many shortcomings to serve people. And I hope I caught it in time to where I didn't pass that on to my boys, right? I got I got a whole load of kids here trying to raise and uh, so far I got one to graduate and and working on the yeah. next. Uh, next few that are coming up uh, behind her. And I try to tell that story as quick as possible. And well, I'm grateful that uh, you all asked me to share it here. No, Jimmy Goich, so much. It's really wonderful to hear. I just got to say that, you know, I kind of consider myself to have a stressful, you know, kind of work life full time but these conversations really help uh, after, you know, like a, a day, a stressful day, and hearing from people uh, like Bradley, who, you know, they dig deep, find their their purpose, and they're actively bettering communities and and just you know going on that journey of uh, you know finding the Ojibwe culture and. Just all that stuff. I don't know. It's it's just refreshing is all I got to say. And I, I, yeah. Yeah, it really is. It really is great to hear from Brad. And we also mentioned that Bradley is an entrepreneur. He's the owner of Wangeup and Modizing Media. Uh, it aims to promote fun and practical ways to learn about the Ojibwe culture using media. And we have it linked on our website, mnnativenews.org. 
Bradley Harrington is from the Mille Lacs Band of Ojibwe. He's an entrepreneur and currently the tribal liaison for the state of Minnesota's Department of Natural Resources. I'm Leah Lem. And I'm Cole Primo. Miigwech for listening. Giga Wabamin. Giga Wabamin. Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. If you want to hear more Native folks talking about their gifts and finding their purpose, search for Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, wherever you find podcasts, and find all of Minnesota Native News' content at minnesotanativenews.org. 